Hello, Guardians, and welcome to the Destiny Show podcast. Tonight on the Destiny Show, we return with a wrestling superstar. The wrestling world calls him Drama King Matt. He is a distinguished wrestler, actor, color commentator, and content creator who loves Destiny 2. Matt is a former WWE superstar, NXT tag team champion, and current impact wrestling superstar matt began his professional wrestling career in 2011 training under several noble individuals like norman smiley he competed in various independent promotions before signing with the wwe in 2012 uh, matt debuted for fcw in 2012 and then drama king matt came to life debuting in nxt in 2013 Matt was also a former tag team champion with Simon forming the Vaudevillains. The team also became the NXT tag team champions. And we're so, so excited to share his amazing journey. Matt, thank you so, so much for joining us tonight. No, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Uh, I love doing... I. I this is no shade to the wrestling world. I love all of you out there, but I've done about 8 billion wrestling podcasts. And so like whenever I get a chance to do something in a podcast or a show where I can like nerd out about other things as well as wrestling, it, it's just such a cool thing because, uh, cause yeah, cause I'm not a monolith like most of us. And uh, I enjoy many things. And this, you know, is just one that I'm super passionate about. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, I feel like right now we're at a point in destiny where things are really getting exciting and, and, and fun. I think Bungie is really starting to take shape with where the game is going. The, the, the roadmap is exciting and I'm, I'm so excited. Season 21 is coming next month. We're going to talk a little bit about that. We have some news from Bungie and uh, we're going to get to know Matt a little bit more on the show tonight. We have a lot of questions for you, Matt, and we're going to invite you on the hot seat for our discussion with the Guardians. So I hope you're ready. Oh, absolutely. Bring it on, baby. So first question we got for you. How did you get started in Destiny as a Guardian? I know we briefly talked about it earlier, but I'm, I'm curious to share with our Guardians. How'd you get your start? Yeah, um, so... I am a really I'm I'm still I guess it's like weird I, I guess I'm still kind of like a new light I'd like to think you know I've got some stuff under my belt so uh not so much I don't know it's so weird but I feel like I'm still a little bit of a baby here I started playing full stop um outside of like a little you know when it after it went free to play trying and I'm like I'll try it but like a lot of people and I think this has been an issue for many um the new player experience is overwhelming and I, at, at first I was like, I, I don't know this. There's a lot to comprehend. I'm going to go back to overwatch. <laughs> um, but uh, no, then I, I met some other friends who were into the scene and everything like that into the community. And they were like, just here, give it another try. Like I'll play through like witch queen with you. And then I'm like, I have a friend shout out to the, the bread clan and my friend, Patrick, who, who kind of chirped me just into the game. And so uh, I, I remember I watched the, um, the, the state of the game or whatever last year uh, in August of 2022 and uh, the big Vidoc update and everything like that late with the previews for Lightfall and, and heading into the final seasons of the year and all that stuff. And I was like, this looks cool. Like I, I love that. I'm like their community engagement and everything like that. And so 
I was like, all right, I'll, I'll give this another go. And so uh, I, I did that. And so started right at the beginning of season of plunder, which if to I know to a lot of veterans was like, oof, you picked one, <laughs> you picked that one to start. Okay. Um, and, uh, but man, um, I got hooked real quick. Um, thank just thanks to some good friends and just as you all out there know that the depth of storytelling and character and lore, I am a bit of a, a, a lore geek. And um, so there's just there's so much to sink your teeth in. And this is something about me that has been carried over throughout my whole life. It, it, it's done. This is what happened with wrestling. This is what happened with one or two other hobbies of mine. I get into it and I can't just be a casual fan of, of almost anything. I have to go full out and i'm like give me give me the extras give me this let me read up on this let me watch that and uh i just i just went all in and since so yeah started playing in september and um i'm gonna rattle off my resume i think i'm doing okay i've done um i completed all of last year's vendor like uh seasonal stories so i went i played through all four seasonal stories reset all those vendors done every dungeon done three raids done gms um and i did solo one dungeon and i think that's as far as like two seals and yeah damn proud of it and I've just gone ham since starting to play. So that's that's my all right. That's as braggadocious as I'm gonna get. It all goes back to mellow now. But yeah, man, it's just been it's been deep ever since. Did you really say you were a baby in Destiny? A few <laughs> minutes ago, I'm, I'm having some doubts here. You're a pro. I mean, I'm, I'm trying. trying. I'm trying. I haven't even done the solo dungeon, and I've been playing this game for almost a jump. Jump in, jump into Shattered Throne after the show tonight. You'll do it in thirty minutes. You got this. Uh, man. <laughs> it's, now it's, I might have to. Now, now yeah. I'm being called out and challenged, so I may have to drive <laughs> the occasion. We will, we will see, uh, Guardians. But that's that's awesome. That's really great. And like, why, why, like, what got you interested in checking out Destiny? It's been around for so many years now, and mm -hmm. uh, Plunder was during the Witch Queens. That was last year, right? So I'm curious, yeah. why why now? Well, because I, like as far as it wasn't anything about you know that season or like even Witch Queen, which I remember hearing about last year because uh, I work I worked with one or two companies that did some promotion when Witch Queen was being launched, and I was like, oh, everybody seems really hyped about this. I'm aware of this destiny game, but like I said, kind of tried it once was overwhelmed and, and kind of, and put it back to the side. Uh, but I owe a lot to, to, like I said, a couple of friends who were just like, Hey man, try it up, play through one of the campaigns. And, uh, like I said, I'll play it with you and, and, and see what you think. And man, like I said, this time around after just having a little bit of patience, like I'll say that new player experience can be a lot, but if you do, kind of just put your head down and get into it. And if you are getting into the lore really helped me because I'm not somebody who just plays games to, to play games. Like I don't just get the serotonin from like, Oh, accomplishment, do this. Okay, cool. Kill this many people. But like, that's very mechanical. And to me, I, I get emotionally involved. I want to know these characters. So seeing the depth of like backstory and uh the storylines and the expansions and everything the the entire world that was woven uh by bungie over the last better part of the last 10 years i was like whoa 
this is very cool. Yeah. And then, so that, that, that's what I mean, got me there. And then I think it, for me, it blended what I was looking for. So previously I had never been like a competitive gamer or even an online gamer. I've been a single player Charlie my whole life. Right. I, before we went live, we talked, I was a final fantasy kid. You know, I, I was sitting in my basement, single player games, RPGs, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. When online began, when online gaming became super mega popular, it always intimidated the crap out of me because people are always so damn good at video games. And I'm like, I'm not going to go into these lobbies and just get wrecked and whatever it was, Halo, Call of Duty. I'm like, it intimidates me. So then even MMOs was the same thing. It's like, it's a lot. You have to party up with people. I don't, I don't know. Like a lot of people do. You have a little bit of anxiety over that, but after I started to get a little bit into like PVP games, like big into Overwatch, I still am and stuff like that. I what I loved about Destiny was I loved FPS, so boom, that was very cool. But it had an MMO-sized world, story, character, quests, cool. And then like, despite which I know some people don't always love the state of it, especially right now. Uh, but it had a PVP element that was pretty pretty refined, and for the people who really love it, like really do love it. So I'm like, wow. Here's here's a game that kind of fulfills anything I want. If I want to vibe out and just kill some trash ads and and do some bounties, I can do that and just unwind. If I want to get sweaty in PvP, I can do that. If I want to get some friends together and do some harder end game content, I can do that. Play some story stuff, just play like challenge stuff. It literally was like, "Oh, this fulfills every bit of gamer need that i might have and i think that's obviously by design and and it works and so like i found kind of like a little bit of a video game home within the destiny universe man you sound like you've been playing since the beginning matt i'm not gonna <laughs> lie that's impressive <laughs> i just like the the destiny fan in me is really excited for you to experience destiny one because i think that like there's so many things that that game brought to table that brother i had been trying to log in on my ps5 for the past like three weeks i downloaded it but i think there's some weird glitch i keep getting a chicken error anytime i even try to start the game um i know the servers for d1 are always a little funky because it's you know because they're not really carrying it you know super all over it but I, I literally every single time it just gives me it just gives me that and so I, i've heard there's some weird playstation like you have to make a new playstation account and it'll it'll jog it so i'm still i still intend to at least maybe try to get in on my playstation play whatever campaign i can on d1 i've i've watched about 16 different four hour uh story and lore videos so like i, I feel pretty well versed in a lot of the stuff but i would love to play through like some of the d1 campaign stuff and yeah just to, just to at least to literally just live through that and um and see what it's like us uh, trust me i'm i'm looking it's a treat for sure um wrath of the machine is is a raid i'm mm. still waiting for them to bring it into destiny 2 i know they will eventually could be the reprise this year you never know maybe hopefully mm-hmm. hopefully that would be really really fun but uh i think that would be an awesome experience so matt i'm i'm, I'm curious like you've been a gamer for quite some time now right Oh yeah. How how do you balance being a professional wrestler, being on the road so much and still finding the time to play video games? 
So, I mean, for a long time, especially uh, with WWE, at, uh, when I first started up there and was on the road a lot, um, you, you kind of just didn't. And then I met a, a lovely person named, which many of you, if you're wrestling fans out there, might know, Xavier Woods in WWE, who ran uh, runs runs a, an incredible little outfit called Up Up Down Down, where he introduced his love of video gaming to the world of wrestling, and they did a YouTube channel and all this stuff. And um, so he started making content backstage at the shows. And so he would he would have his portable setup. He would have his laptop, portable monitor. We'd plug into a TV and then we'd play goofy little games, competitions. It was really super fun content. Um, and so I kind of started to see, like, how, how did he do it? How did he travel with, like, his PlayStation and a computer? And I don't know. It gave, started giving me ideas and everything like that. And so I, yeah, I started bringing... Uh, I started bringing my PS4 on the road a little bit, but that was a little cumbersome. Um, I had a little portable monitor and my PS4, uh, and I would play in the hotels and stuff. But I will say this, man, when the Nintendo Switch dropped, everybody got those. All the boys mm-hmm. got those. Randy Orton, me and Randy Orton sitting on the bus in Europe <laughs> playing uh, Zelda was a very That's common so experience. Awesome. He was, he was, he's a big gaming fan. He doesn't talk about it a lot, but he is. He's a big Assassin's Creed fan. Shout out, Randy. Um, but yeah, so like, dude, half the bus had Nintendo Switches, like when we were on tours and stuff like that. So um, that obviously game-changing consoles, there's a reason it was, it sold so many. Um, but now, now that I'm, and then uh, I've gotten so into PC gaming. So now I, I got myself a nice little laptop set up. I, I bring that with me um, whenever I go on the road now too. That's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And, and computers now are so powerful that like you can get a pretty beefy laptop these days. Oh, yeah. And not too much. Yeah, very cool. And and now, so going back to wrestling, what what got you into wrestling? How how did you get your start in the wrestling world? I mean, it's you know, it's not too far removed from you know, video gaming. What is it? It's it's living through fantasy. It's a vicarious kind of thing, and that's what I loved about wrestling. It was almost like real life video games, real life action movies, right? And uh, I be I would be remiss if if I didn't say that. At the time, I started really, really watching, like a lot of us did, of, of my age group, um, in the, the Attitude Era, right? The, the late 90s, early 2000s, stuff like that. And I'll, I'll admit it, like, I was kind of just caught by the hype because I didn't have cable TV, right, growing up. So I couldn't watch Monday Night Raw. I didn't know what the hell everybody was talking about when they would come into school on Tuesday mornings and be like, oh, my God, did you say what Stone Cold did today? Like, I, I was like, no, I didn't. I want to. <laughs> and so um, I, it was just like a FOMO thing. I was like, I don't even know much about wrestling. I know my brothers watched it when they were young, but they grew out of it very quickly. So it wasn't really in my household. And uh, I was like, I, I got to know. And so eventually I found a little like local access show that would show like WWE um, replays called Shotgun Saturday Night. If anybody ever saw that, it would play on like my local UPN channel or whatever for me. But it would just be like Monday Night Raw highlights and then, you know, an Al Snow match. I've never done something that. like that, right? You know, it was kind of like it would get you get they taped cool. a little extra match and then they would just show you clips from from the past week. So, and then eventually when SmackDown came to I believe it was UPN at the time in late 99, mm. it was when finally I got access to like a mainstay show on SmackDown and then eventually my family got cable TV and like 
2000. And so from then it was Raw, SmackDown, Raw, SmackDown, Raw, SmackDown, uh, pay-per-views, stuff like that. And so when I did get my hands on it, figuratively speaking, it, there wasn't a, you know, grow out of it period. Like there were for a lot of my friends, you know, by the time they started hitting high school, a lot of them were into sports or into music or whatever they were doing. And I was just like, Nope, still in it. Just like I told you how I was with, with destiny or with other things that I fall in love with. I, I just go hard. If I, if it's something I really nerd out about or getting new, I want to know everything. How does it work? How are they doing that? What is the deal with this? How did this get started? And it was like that with wrestling and with, with WWE and stuff at the time, I wanted to know absolutely everything. And so uh, I just, I did that. I just went deeper and deeper and deeper and just never, never stopped being a fan. I, I love that you got your start with your love for wrestling during the attitude era, because that was the time when I got into it myself. It was oh, actually 2017 yeah. when I discovered wrestling. And I remember there was like a Mick Foley match and it was so just. It was like a cane match too. It was like really. And, and, and after that, I ended yeah. up watching Monday Night Raw. I was fortunate to have cable TV. And uh, I may have gotten in trouble one or two times for ordering pay-per-views. We're not going to talk about that. <laughs> I was young, you know, my parents paid for it, but I, I was grounded for a couple of days, but you know, it was worth it. Isn't it wild thinking now, like it was with all the streaming services, like now WWE, for example, is on, is on Peacock. And it's so you get everything free with your $5 a month, um, all their pay-per-views, you get replays of their other shows and everything. And they they had their their network the WWE network for a while for ten bucks a month, but those pay per views they were like fifty bucks, like for yeah. the for every and every pay per view. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, though they were not cheap back in the yeah. day, and and they were getting even more expensive. I remember like mm-hmm. towards the end we were paying like sixty five dollars to watch you know wrestling, uh, yeah. but you know it was a great show. It was fun. You know, it was it was entertainment and. Um, I, I still remember as a as a kid coming back home from uh, even my birthday parties. Like I had to leave my birthday parties early because Monday Night Raw was happening, and I had to go see what Stone Cold was going to do to Vince yeah. McMahon. I just had to go see, <laughs> and uh, it was some some of my fondest moments and memories. And uh, I will never forget uh, the first ever Bad Blood in your house with. HBK and The Undertaker Ooh. when Kane made his debut. Such a amazing, amazing event. And I've I've gained a lot of respect for professional wrestling and, and what you all do in this community to entertain people and make people smile for a little bit and forget the day to day. Yeah, I mean, and then that's what it's about. And I do appreciate that. I think I think it's getting more and more of that kind of a response from people as we've gone on um you know obviously for a long time there there's the big thing that's why a lot of kids quote unquote you know would grow out of it is because you know it's fake it's fake right i think that word kind of hung in the air low over wrestling for a while because like and then eventually like because they tried to protect the business for so long and and make people believe which I, i get but um then i think there was this weird middle period where like we weren't right like we know it's a show but we're still trying to protect it and i think when we kind of and i'm i would probably get some heat for this from from purist fans but like when we kind of opened the curtain and it it kind of fully put it out there like hey this is a show like we we script we script this we put this together like any other show you watch 
um, I think it started to get a little bit of respect because then we could finally talk about like what it takes to what it to get in here and to do all these things that these people are doing. We're putting, like I said, like a stunt show on, but there are no stunt doubles. That's always like to people who are not familiar. I'm like, what's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at hero.co. Imagine um, a movie or an action movie, right? It's, it's big, it's cheesy, it's explosive, it's over the top. But the performers are doing all of their own stunts all the time. No crash pads, no cuts, no second takes, none of that. It is all live, go, go, go. And uh, yeah, I think, I think we are, we're entering a world where a lot of people, a lot more people are seeing that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and you know, to, to add to that, like when people say that, oh, wrestling is fake, like there are some matches where you really gain a whole new level of respect for for the performers and what they do fighting through injuries like i remember when um stone cold he he got injured he he injured his back and he continued that match i think it was a wrestlemania match i mean there was there's been yeah numerous cases of stuff like that i've got an edge didn't edge get like injured pretty bad too one time before I pretty much name a wrestler and they've fought through a match injured. I guarantee you. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. It's, it'd be harder to pick someone who, who's never been hurt in a match and, and you know, had to finish. I you know that's, that's really well, well said. And so what is it really like to be a professional wrestler behind the curtains? I mean, it is, uh, it's a lot of uh, a lot of work. It's a lot of travel. Um, there's a lot more to it than I think people uh, understand. It is kind of is the biggest thing. Um, we we have an old saying is like they we don't get paid to wrestle. The wrestlers don't get paid to they get paid to get up at four in the morning, catch a flight, land in a town, rent a car, go to the gym, uh, make it make it to in a building on time, blah, blah, put together stuff. But the wrestling, we do that for free. No, that's the, that's the part you do it because you love it. You being out there in front of the crowd and everything. That's for free. I'll do that for free every day. Uh, but they, they get paid to do all the other BS that they you know they got to go through. Um, but yeah, man, it, it gives me. I'll say this: it gives me a lot of respect. It get, obviously for the business, learning more and more about it as I was going moving up in the business and and learning about it more and more every single year. And that's the thing: you learn something new all the time. It's classic one of those industries where it's like if you feel like you know everything, get out because you, you probably shouldn't be here anymore. Um, it's all about just learning and growing every single day. And there was so much more to it than I even, even as like that nerdy fan who was like, how's it, how do they do this? What do they do? And I was looking everything up, right? I, I was still learning every single week. And uh, more, almost even more importantly, looking at what goes on, like you said, behind the curtain, behind the scenes, the, the army of people, especially for a show, the scale of like a WWE show behind the scenes, the camera guys are your, are some of your best friends. They have to be because one, they help you out the most underrated heroes of professional wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, the camera crew uh, get on their good side. They'll make you look like a million bucks. 
get on their bad side. Oh, they cut away when you were doing the coolest thing in the entire oh, match. No. Kind of right? <laughs> um, stuff like that. So, and like them, the production people, the writers that they have there who are, who are trying, who are scurrying back and forth, getting things approved, changing segments. It, it is a, the one, the biggest thing I learned is living and working on your feet, man. There is no business or no venture I've been a part of. Uh, that where you have to be just on your feet, ready to improvise, change things on a dime than, than pro wrestling. So I'm ready. I will say that to any other production or any other thing I'd ever do. Uh, n- nothing will stress me out <laughs> after, after kind of being backstage and having things changed 30 seconds before you walk through the curtain. So it, uh, yeah, it prepares you for a lot. That's, it's really interesting. And you know, one thing that, um comes to mind i remember i watched the video that you put out talking about how you would go to the arena and you know, you, you sit there and you, you wait backstage to see if maybe you'll get that chance to go out and perform so like um i'm curious how does that really work is that something that is planned months in advance or is it something that you just like go into the arena and you don't really know if you're going to have a match or not. Like, how does that really happen behind, behind the scenes? So uh, it depends. Um, we, when WWE was running like full schedule house shows, we call them or live events. Those are the untelevised shows that you would usually do leading up to like a Monday night raw or SmackDown. They, you know, they would go in if Monday night raw was in Seattle, we might do house shows in, Spokane, Portland, and somewhere else, and then finish up on Monday and do Monday Night Raw before everybody goes home. Uh, those shows, you know what you're doing because those shows are usually that we don't need to change a lot. It's not based on story or anything like. It's usually just like, all right, this is the card. It's the same one usually three nights in a row. Um, sometimes then it's those same matches three, two, three weeks in a row. Every time you're on the weekend, those are pretty consistent. You go out there. You change what you want. You have fun. Those I love those shows. They're so much more relaxed. There's not a big TV production. They're not stressed on time where it's like, you know, you got a commercial breaks coming. You got to get out of there, you know, in 10 seconds, just like go out there, have fun, have a good match, all that stuff. Those were always so much fun. Television is a different story. TV. You had never had any idea unless you had um, a writer who you may have been, maybe you were with, uh, were kind of in good terms with they might be like hey at tv you have this right <laughs> and everything is right now because everything is viable to change the day of the show uh, in the in the one of many production meetings so but you might get it a little heads up of like hey right now they have you doing this this segment with this person uh blah 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 um but like i said then day of the show it could change and then if but if you didn't have that in yeah, you you go, you show up and you know, wait to see if somebody comes grabs you or if your name shows up on that whiteboard um with the match listing and then yeah, uh, then you go and get it done. Oh wow. That's really interesting. I didn't realize that it was so spur of the moment where they they don't really let you know well in advance. Mhm. Yeah, it's pretty that that would definitely require for you to adapt. Oh yeah. It, 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 that is one of, you know, again, some of the top tier guys might have 
weeks or months even laid out to them you know guys who were who the type of guy who was a buddy buddy with vince mcmahon right that your roman reigns type guys your john cena's who have that kind of really tight knit with and are the tip top of the company they might have more input and more like knowledge because everybody's working with them like hey here's where we're going to have you going into wrestlemania over the next six months right but me and you know 90 percent of the rest of the roster it's week to week that's a very very interesting perspective i didn't even think about that mm-hmm. because from my perspective it was like well you see the show and it's what you see so you don't really see a whiteboard and and where you know things are so last minutes that's really interesting to to learn that like you've been wrestling for over a decade and i'm, yep. I'm curious like you've traveled the world for so many years what was your favorite experience that you can recall from traveling to so many different places do you have a favorite place that you've visited oh oh yeah um and i'm i'm desperately trying to get back there uh japan man tokyo oh nice um i've been very fortunate to have gone to tokyo three times uh with wwe and outside of my home uh of chicago and because it's because it's home, it's where I grew up. Uh, that Tokyo is my favorite city on planet Earth. Uh, there is just something, and maybe there's a little bit of because there's a little bit of weebage in me. You know what I mean? Again, video game fan, Final Fantasy kid. There's probably a little bit of that. Yeah. You're just like, ah, this is where I was born. <laughs> this is where video games live, um, kind of thing. Uh, but there's also I've said this to somebody. There's this strange magic to Japan that has this, especially Tokyo. One it's just a clean city, man. They know how to take, they are disciplined and organized. They know how to take care. It doesn't feel dirty for a city of millions and millions of people. It feels pretty pristine when you're on the streets of Tokyo. Um, But it's this beautiful mix of like the most advanced technological like city, right? We've all seen the clips of, I believe it's Shibuya crossing, you know, the people crossing six different ways, all the lights, the giant billboards. Um, Akihabara, which is the big arcade district where you see people playing DDR until four in the morning going crazy <laughs> as like as if it's a job. Um all that stuff. But then there's also mixed in with like their their parks and like they have this immense spirituality about, you know, whether it's just religion or just like the culture. It's not even like non-denominational. Um, the gardens and the parks and the greenery and the lushness of some of the parts of the city are just all combined in this downtown i don't know there's a really really cool synergy there and um the people are just the most respectful uh fans in the world from a wrestling perspective man they were always very passionate but very very kind and respectful because that's a bedrock of their of their culture and of their society which is um something sorely missed sometimes stateside uh (laughs) amongst some groups of fans I will not try to paint with too wide a brush, but yeah, over there, it's just, it's, it's very, very cool. And so uh, I love, love, love Tokyo. You know, it's interesting you mentioned Tokyo because um, that's yeah. one of the places that I really want to visit. It's like on my bucket mm-hmm. because I've been a sushi fan since I can remember. Like, and if there's anything that I can eat as often and, and never get sick of it, it's sushi. Um, I remember... I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York, and back in New York, they had so many sushi places 
that it was just so abundant oh, yeah. that I would eat it like on an almost daily basis. And I always wanted to try the sushi in Japan just for the cultural experience because I, I, I find their culture oh so God, fascinating yes. and interesting. And uh, curious, oh, yeah. are you a sushi oh, fan? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, we're going to get along then. <laughs> so how is the sushi compared in Japan versus like what we have here in the States? Is it very different? Because I, I can <laughs> uh, imagine... California some, rolls some are little not uh, standards in Japan. Like, they'll, they'll might make it for it but yeah g- generally not um but you know what i will i will say this uh i have not had sushi in japan and all those times i went i did not have i had a lot of other amazing food but i didn't have straight up sushi um just because yeah there there was other stuff that we restaurants we were going to and everything like that so i i'm with you i have yet to have an authentic japanese sushi experience um i've had some incredible noodles some incredible ramen um one of the things i I said i was done bragging well all right here's one other thing that's kind of bragging about in japan the wrestling culture is very huge and it's very respectful over there and so there's a long tradition of something called sponsors uh if you're a big wrestling fan you may have heard of this if you're not you might be like what the hell are you talking about no i'm not talking about sony uh you know sending you a controller and you posting a hashtag on your instagram no but a similar idea Sponsors are these huge, usually well-to-do, well-off wrestling fans in Japan who kind of like sponsor a wrestler. And which that means is like they kind of pick someone who they, they take a liking to. And they, like I said, they're usually well-off and they'll they'll treat them to like to, to dinners and like they'll, they'll 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 give them gifts and stuff like that. And the kind of exchange is like, hey, yeah, if you're in town or like after your shows come hang out with me and my friends or some of his family, you know, you take pictures, you sign some autographs, but they'll, they'll pay for a big old dinner for you and everything like that. And so the guy, especially who were well known in new Japan pro wrestling, which is the the biggest promotion over in Japan. Um, I remember. So when we went over there, the good brothers, which are uh, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson were big stars in new Japan came to WWE and so when we went back over there for tour, they still had all their old contacts and friends and uh, and their sponsors. So they invited the boys. They're like, hey, we got like two more spots. We're going out with an old an old buddy of ours who wants to come. And I was like, sure. So we came in. We went to this little restaurant. They closed it down. This and this chef made us like. Kobe wrapped like asparagus. We had like lobster pulled out of the ocean, thrown on the gr- thrown on the hot pot right in front of us drink whatever you want like appetizers out the wazoo kobe beef all this stuff just like thrown at you and it was so (laughs) good it was ridiculous oh that sounds so good and were there any attractions that you can remember from your trip to japan that were really uh, memorable and interesting i mean uh I, again uh xavier woods oh i forget so akiabra which again the arcade district uh is, is very cool it, it's cool to see like a regular like video game arcade but it, it's almost like a club it's open to the late hours of the night and like i said people are there sweating it out on the arcade games it's their that's their hobby and everything but um this doesn't exist anymore uh but they have real they had real life mario kart Oh, I heard about that. Um, <laughs> but it was a non 
It's like That's it was amazing. they called it Mari Kart because they legally couldn't call it Mario Kart. So it was like M-A-R-I C-A-R-T. And uh, Xavier Woods found out about it. it's this little place. Basically, it's little mini like go-karts that they would drive you in the streets of Tokyo, the sent the middle of the road. They would lead you on a tour of Tokyo, a driving tour in little like little, they look like the Mario Kart goat carts. And then but then they would give you cosplay outfits. And you could put on, you could be, you could be Mario, you could be Luigi, you could be Wario, whatever. And uh, so a group of us from WWE went and we did that. And it's now, it got banned. <laughs> it is now illegal. <laughs> but um, so we got it, we got in under the wire. We had to have, we had to get international driving licenses before we came, before we went on tour uh, because you, you, that was one of the prerequisites for the, for the cars is you had to have a, a valid international driving license. So uh, that was probably yeah, that was probably one of the coolest things we did. <laughs> it was cool. That sounds amazing. Oh, I, yeah. I wish it was still around because that that would have been just a fun. <laughs> as a as a Mario Kart fan, I would definitely enjoy that. So, on the topic of video games, I'm I'm yeah. curious. Like you've been a gaming fan for forever, so. What was your first video game that you've ever played? Trying like the earliest memories of sitting, like sitting down and playing video games has got to be OG Zelda on NES. Uh, just the old side scrolling right. pixel. You know what I mean? That my brother, I remember mainly watching my brother play. That's kind of my interest. You know, he was, he's four or five years older than me. Um, so he kind of, was the set the tone for me, you know, he, he got Nintendo and then he was the one who got super Nintendo. Um, and he was the one who got PlayStation. And then after that, he kind of faded from video games. And then that's where I was like, then I got PS2 and PS3 and all that stuff. Uh, but yeah, the original Zelda legend of Zelda on NES was probably my first video game. I remember sitting down and playing. That's pretty epic. So, Interestingly, um, I got my start back in the original mm. Nintendo as well, although I didn't really play Zelda back then. I didn't re- like it just wasn't something that I was sure. immediately interested in, but I was more of a Mario fan. But let me tell you, when I played Breath of the Wild for the first time, I realized my oh, entire yeah. life I've been missing out on this like incredible game. And I've been in love with Zelda ever since uh, Breath of the Wild. It's such an amazing game. I think I picked it mm-hmm. up on release yeah. day when, when we got our Nintendo Switch, right, right Shadow? Yeah. Such a, such a fun time. So are you excited for the new Zelda game that's coming out? I know we got a new one coming in May. We do. Yeah, um, I'll be honest. So like, I, I played Breath of the Wild as well. Uh, I think it was mainly because it was the first, I same thing, I got my Switch and it was the first big game. It was a release game, wasn't it? Or very shortly yeah, thereafter. It was, yeah, it was a release game. Um, and so I was like, I was like, hell yeah. And I did love my, the idea of an open world Zelda because yeah. I'm like, you know, I love games like Skyrim and of course like Grand Theft Auto, Red Dead, all those kind of things. So I was like, oh, I'll, I'll check this one out. But I will say I'm not a, hardcore yes. zelda fiend like uh some people like i never played i played the n64 one never played ocarina of time or majora's mask so i don't know if i'll be super 
hard into this one. I might give it a try, but like, as you know, I mean, Destiny's a full-time job. So uh, if I'm gonna <laughs> if I'm gonna play something else, I'll, I'll probably be something like uh, probably be Final Fantasy 16 when it comes out, um, and then probably you know one or two other games as they as they come out. But uh, I'll kind of Zelda will be kind of like maybe I'll, I'll I'll keep my ear to the ground and and see how it how it's being reviewed and how people are liking it. And maybe I'll dip my toe in. We'll see. That that's very valid. And yeah, Destiny definitely has mm-hmm. you know a lot of demand with with the weekly grind that we have to do the, the i'll tell you one thing the one redeeming thing about the zelda release is that it's coming out on may 12th and i believe the new season in yeah. destiny doesn't come out for almost two weeks thereafter so we have a little bit of a buffer time to really you know dive in i know me and shadow price are very excited for the new zelda oh, yeah. game yeah. based on how the previous one was it was so much fun so we're that and now i'm curious to kind of um pivot to your love of um creating content um i'm I'm curious was there anyone who inspired you as a content creator in destiny 2 who you either look up to or you think does an exceptional job at creating content that inspired your work outside of so when i first got into streaming and and trying to make a little bit of content which i like a lot of people i picked up in the start of the pandemic and everything like back in 2020 stuck at home and um xavier woods again i'm shouting him out like eight bajillion times he was the one who told me he's like hey man uh you want to try this twitch thing like a lot of people do it and you know it's super easy like i just started my first stream was ps4 camera headset and uh and that's it you know what i mean i stream directly from from the playstation just to give it a shot and it has now grown into this gigantic thing in front of me right now um but so he was the one who kind of got me into just making content in general and then the other games i, I would try to play or try to main at i did find content creators but i'll say interestingly enough destiny while i've found some since was not one of the games that were like, I saw somebody streaming it or, or TikToks or YouTube. And I was like, Oh, I want to get into this. I found all that later. So I wasn't, I wasn't really drawn in by content creators. I was, this was, I go back to more of my friends and they invited me into their discord. And like, like I said, they played through the game with me. And then like, I, I started doing group activities with them. So I, I kind of credit my friends and who are now my clan mates, shout out to the bread gang. Um, who kind of got me into just wanting to do it. I, like I said, I had already been creating content. I did a lot of overwatch for about a year prior to, to this one year, year and a half. And uh, so I just kind of continued that on, but then just kind of switched games ever so slyly or not so slyly. And uh, yeah, from there, but as far as kind of getting into the meat and potatoes of the game, yeah, I, man, I credit, I credit my friends. I credit my fellow guardians. Love that. And, you know, Destiny is a game that is made to be enjoyed with friends. So it's perfect, perfect match. And uh, it's interesting because Shadow Price was the person who got me into games. So it was kind of a similar thing where it wasn't necessarily a specific content creator that got me into the game. Although I will say there were a few podcasts way back in the day guardian radio yeah, the original planet destiny uh, podcast dcp yeah. was one of them and i think 
Planet Destiny podcast, and then also Fireteam Chat. They were our go-to for uh, a long time. Either I think last year or year before. Was yeah. last year? Um, so that was definitely a, a fun experience, but it's been, it's been so awesome to be able to, you know, find our passion for gaming in, in this awesome universe yeah. and this community. It's been an awesome, awesome ride. And now, so going back to your wrestling, um, I'm curious, were there any challenges that you had to overcome i mean your yeah i mean every every day right i mean it's 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 such a physical physical business um and um getting back to kind of just what i said earlier it's just it's being ready to change on a dime whether it's 30 seconds before you go through the curtain and they go hey you know that 10 minute match you're about to go out and have it's now five minutes go tell the other guy because he's already out there <laughs> um and you're like oh okay and you have to be able to get it done. Now you have to think about, all right, what do I have to, what, you're editing in your head because you're like, all right, we, we laid out this, this, and this. Now it's time to improv, cut this literally as you're walking to the ring, showboating and all that stuff. Though that kind of thing to even to the point where that'll, that same exact thing will happen mid match. Cause the referees, the referees of earpieces, they'll be go, they'll go, okay, you just lost two minutes or, oh shoot. Now the other guy's winning. Change it up. Okay. And you just go, okay. Um, so just rolling with things like that. And then of course, again, like we also mentioned injuries, man. Um, I tore my pec in a match and not even a te televised match an untelevised live event in NXT before I was even up on the WWE main roster. Uh, luckily not a full tear, but it was a partial tear of my left pec. Um, tore it just as we were luckily in the final stretches of the match. So I, but I still had to wrestle another two, three minutes on after he just feeling this hot zip go i thought i tore my bicep it just went down from my shoulder down into my bicep and i was like oh son of a b oh you got to be kidding me um kind of just held my arm close to me finished the match and then went back and kind of let me stay home a few days and then came back swelling went down and yet turned out i had some some damage to my pec and uh it has not been the same ever since because i uh was stubborn and when I did, luckily, I did get full range of motion back. And I was like, oh, I feel okay. I don't need surgery or anything like that. Let's just go. Let's go. Look, see, I'm fine. Let me back. Let me back. Um, I probably could have used a little bit of um, orthopedic surgery on my pect pectoral tendon there. It is now there's like a weird divot. And I can't do as many push-ups as I used to. <laughs> and, uh, or, or bench press at all because it just hurts my shoulders. So... But that was, that's luckily, knock on wood, that's the worst injury I ever had. And, and honestly, in the scheme of things, considering all the things we've done in that ring, it's pretty minor. So I'm pretty thankful. Well, we're, we're glad you're, you know, safe and that you, you didn't you know, have any more serious injuries that were oh, hell yeah. more, more life-threatening. And, and thank you for sharing that. So go, going back to WrestleMania 34, I know that you had a yes, match indeed. with uh, Rusev. And I wanted to learn more about that because I've, I remember 
WrestleMania 34, <laughs> like I watched WrestleMania 34. And I'm, I'm curious, how was the experience like to one, be a part of WrestleMania? Like after being in this career for such a long time to finally get to that pinnacle, like what was that like? I mean, it, it's there, there is people say it all the time, man. There is, especially if I think if you come and watch it from any position, like whether you're a fan or not, if you sit down and just see the spectacle of it, it's like, damn. But if you're obviously a fan of this business, it is, it is, nobody does it like that, man. It is, it is a spectacle of spectacles. And to be a part of it, even, even a small part of it like that uh, was very, very, very cool. Very, not overwhelming. I was, I was just excited, man. It was just so freaking cool to be out there in front of 65,000 people. Just the, you know, every, every eye on you, people chanting along with you, having, having an act, having a, a, a persona and a gimmick, whatever you want to call it, that we had going at the time that people were so into that they're literally like, they're out there vibing, chanting along with you is such a cool experience and i got to have a, a little extra special experience that night because i i performed twice because on the kickoff show to wrestlemania at the time they were doing the the big andre the giant battle royal which they kind of throw just kind of throw everybody in and i was in that and i at the time i had a full head i say sarcastically because i was losing my hair hence this action uh where I got eliminated from that went backstage, had my head shaved and changed all of my gear for me to come out about an hour later for Rusev's match for the U S title that night. So it was like, it was kind of like this character and like both physical and a little, little bit of like a character change literally happening over the happening over the course of one night. So that was a fun little like Easter egg thing for me. Cause like you literally saw me with like this, weird medium length black like dark brown hair at the beginning of the night and then all of a sudden i'm coming out completely different outfit totally shaved head everything and uh it's it has been that way ever since that's that's so cool wow and do, do you have a favorite feud that you were a part of through your career yeah so oh man i mean all there's there's little nuggets of Every, you know everything um i would i, I gotta give a, a soft spot for my first like real feud in nxt in kind of on wwe tv which was our nxt at the time um after i debuted the drama king character i had an, a nice little it was kind of a short run with uh with big Cass, who who's w morrissey um uh in impact and now on aew but he was with us in NXT. He's one, he's one of my buddies going way back uh, in this business. And we had a really fun little rivalry on NXT. And that was like my first kind of like storyline, if you will. And we had a sing-off that was super fun. And it was the first time we had done anything like that on NXT. And uh, a lot of people still remember that. So that was super fun. And um, in, in the tag team division, man, when we won the tag titles, we won them from a team called Blake and Murphy who um, again is Buddy Murphy, who uh, has gone on to now AEW. He's with the House of Black. And then Wesley Blake, who has gone on, I believe he's doing some coaching now at the Performance Center, if I do remember correctly, but just two incredibly fun and easy guys to work with. And oh, so that story was fun going into it with Alexa Bliss just slapping the piss out of us every every week on TV. <laughs> and um, But those guys were like, they were the perfect heel tag team, man. They made us look so 
good. I am so ever appreciative of those guys, um, especially for us who had we had such a weird character, it, it, weird gimmick. Like, man, that could have easily been dead in the water. But when you have guys like that helping you look good and like just making the matches so much more fun and dynamic, it, it was really incredible. So those two, those two stick out to me. And then anytime I could lace up with the with the with the Usos and the New Day was just magic. They're so good. They're so good. So much fun. As the Usos. Oh, I remember them. They were so charismatic. Uh, they, they'll, they'll, they're not like hardcore like a lot of us, but like, they'll, they'll, again, they'll, they'll join the up, up, down, down. They'll, somebody puts controller in front of them. Hell yeah. Um, yeah. And now I, I know that you made some pretty big changes through your career. Um, in August of 2022, you made an announcement that you would no longer be accepting wrestling bookings. And you would be focusing on, com- on color commentary. And I'm curious, what prompted that change and what was it like to leave the ring? So it, it's weird. Well, first off, this is wrestling. If you've been watching for more than five minutes, you know, never say never. And of course, I'll put that. I'm still, you know, relatively, relatively young and uh, still healthy. So, you know, not I'm not beat up, none of that stuff. But um, it was a weird transition um, from WWE. So, you know, got released in the middle of the pandemic, like with a bunch of people. You know, if you are a wrestling fan, you saw there was a ton over 100 cuts over the course of that year um in their cost cutting measures and so getting getting i was at that time i was already doing commentary for the for the better part of the last year of my time in wwe so getting released from wwe as a commentator immediately you know you don't, you're not thrown into a lot of people's wrestling minds so i don't think i was being thought of as a wrestler too much and then also being in the middle of a pandemic when nobody's running events so it was like it was, that's where that's like that's where streaming content came in man because nobody was doing anything so i was looking for things to occupy my time um but then after that i mean i did i fell in love with that side of the business in wwe uh, i credit great people like my current broadcast partner tom hannafin who was kind of like my supervisor at the time people like vic joseph and nigel mcginnis for guiding me as well uh really helped me fall in love with it and so then when impact came along and new japan pro wrestling came along both of which i started off wrestling but it was just, it was very quickly. I would be asked by management of both of those companies, like, hey, would you do commentary for us for this show? Hey, do you mind jumping in on commentary for this? Hey, we had this idea where you could do comment. And so I think when that started happening, there was a little bit of one of those like, life is showing you something kind of things, you know, those moments where it's like, hey, I, and I never want to be one of those people who's, who's banging on the door when there's a window open kind of metaphors you know what i mean like i think the the universe is showing you something so like i just leaned into that and so i started taking that and then between that and like because i was doing that more and more i think you know i wasn't getting booked to wrestle as much which i was like i understood and so when it take and when you get out of practice in the ring it's hard to get back into it not that i couldn't if i really you know if a big opportunity came along but it was like it's not like you can just step out of the ring for a month. And then when, if somebody has you in a match, you're good to go. Like, Oh, okay. No man. Like that cardio goes very quickly. And so, um, you, it's like to keep wrestling, you've got to be wrestling all the time. And, uh, 
So I just, I started kind of just leaning into that. It kind of followed the universe, followed the feeling. And um, there's something really nice about it. Cause you know what? I could do this for another 20 years. You know what I mean? Like I I'll tell you, I, I don't think I could wrestle for another 20 years. So I just kind of started leaning into it. And I think it allows me a little bit more time and a little bit more flexibility to do extra things like whether it is content or, or voice acting, for example, or, or outside projects. So uh, I, I, I like that freedom as well. You know, the one thing I've realized as we've been talking is that I, I learned something about you and it's that you're, you see things as opportunities and not as like, Oh, I have to like pivot and change. Right. Like you were saying in one of your videos, how you saw color commentary as an opportunity to try something new as, as a way to advance yeah. your own abilities and what you're able to offer. Right. And it's really cool from your experiences with even like, going from overwatch to destiny to becoming a content creator in this game. It seems like you're always evolving. I mean, you, you got to, I mean, you gotta be, like I said, you gotta be fleet footed, man. Um, and you gotta adapt or else you know, you'll get left behind. You'll, 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 and I still have, I still have trouble with it in, in, in different regards, but man, I mean, I try to like, don't get me wrong. I've, I've been there like anybody else. I get down. Uh, I have had those moments where it's like, you do feel hard-headed and stubborn. Like, no, I don't want this to be this way or whatever. I want to fight against this or whatever. But I think more often than not, man, life is much easier if you, um, and this isn't to say just like, it's whatever and go, you know, I'm just going to do whatever and not care or whatever. It's try for the things you want, but man, yeah. Don't, don't overlook a lot of opportunities. There's a lot of people who I've seen because they're late. They're too laser focused in on one thing or one result or whatever that it's like you missed an entire opportunity to grow this business, this sector of your life, this relationship, whatever it is, because you were like, no, I'm doing this. I I have to have this and I have to have X, Y, Z result. And if I don't have that, I won't be happy. And I don't like that. I don't like being that narrow focus because I feel like you're just going to miss out on so much. So everything is truly is an opportunity. Very well said, Perry. That is well, well said. Wise, wise, wise words for sure. And Matt, I know that you had some really amazing experiences through your wrestling career and one of them was to be featured in a major wwe video game wwe 2k19 as aiden english and i'm curious what is the process like to transform into a character in a video game how was that like and what 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 things can you share with us about that process and experience yeah, that, I mean, there's being in wrestling. There was two huge, I mean, there's multiple, we talked about WrestleMania stuff, but as to, to the, the inner geekdom, you know, that a lot of us have, there's two huge bucket list things. One is an action figure made of you and two being in a video game. And, um, I've been lucky enough again, even I'm, I was never some huge top star. Right. But I've been lucky enough to have that happen multiple times over in either department. Um, I think, yeah, I was in a few of the 2K games and then I've had three action figures and it, it's, it's, it never, when it, when I look at, it, I keep them up, um, 
on my wall or whatever. And when I look at it, it I, I always try to have that perspective, like, man, that was freaking cool. <laughs> and, uh, but the video game thing is very cool, man. The, the most, the more interesting thing, especially for wrestling, because it is so physical, right? The motion capture. I've always wanted to do that. I never did, but they would often have independent wrestlers out, out in California at the 2K studios do that. You know, they would get in a ring, they would get a ring and they would get crash pads and stuff like that and perform all these moves in mo motion capture gear. And it's, it's very, very cool process. And as far as that goes, but, um, getting to do like, I voiced, I believe when I was doing the drama King thing that was featured in when NXT first started getting featured in the game, I would, I sang an intro. I had to go into the recording booth and sing the intro for my character that was going to be animated into me walking out with the microphone and singing and everything like that. Um, it, it was, it was super, super cool. I'd never gotten to do anything like that. Right. Like step into a studio and record audio for a video game. Um, they, they came in and they took pictures of, you know, every bit of your gear, you to stand there, you know, arms at your side, they're going to get you from head to toe, turn your boot to the side, turn your boot to the right, to the left, you know, put your hands up, put your hands down, arms up. We, they want to see every little, like they got my weird shaped belly button in there man like <laughs> like they they really the, the details even when sometimes it's not always like picture perfect but like the details they get are really really cool so yeah i mean like there wasn't many because usually it was just i didn't have any especially the games at that time didn't have you doing they didn't have voiced lines like in the story modes or anything and may, maybe from people again like your john cena's or like seth rollins or something but for for the most of the roster you, you didn't i think it was just like text speech but my particular entrance, I was singing, right? So I did have to go into the booth to do my entrance because, you know, you're not just going to fake my weird Kermit the Frog voice. No, you got to get that from the source. So uh, <laughs> I went in and I did do I did record that. And how long did that take to, to like from start to finish? Well, I mean, I, I don't know. So like I said, I don't I've never done the mocap. WWE guys never did their own mocap. Um, they would hire, they would outsource usually independent wrestling talent to go do that in LA, wherever the studio was for us. I'm trying to remember the timeline we would do, whether if we needed audio and then, like I said, like the pictures, like literally like photographing you with a billion cameras up, up, up and down, they would probably have, you know, cause the game would come out in the fall. They would probably have us start doing that in the beginning, like that year's game probably early in the year like february ish but like that literally that's all i had to do was stand there while they take picture and video of you so they can animate it and okay cool i did it took 10 minutes we did it literally at a monday night raw hey go go upstairs into that this office they're doing video game stuff okay <laughs> go up there you do all the poses they take all the pictures then you go back down and put your match together so, and, so then, cool. video and then you hear yeah you hear nothing about it for the next <laughs> six months until the game releases so <laughs> that's awesome you know for some reason i thought it was a much more in-depth process that took maybe like months or i mean it like it does but just not from the talent side from the talent side they just capture you whatever they need from you and then off you go it's really cool it sounds like you've had the coolest job you, you get to travel the world wrestle eat amazing food and be part of a video game that's that's just that's the dream it's yeah i have been very i i 
those are those kind of things that even even when I have my lowest moments, uh, I always try to have um that perspective of that. And I, you know, it's funny, literally right before this, somebody had DM'd me. Um, I don't know if it was here on Twitter or Instagram or something, talking about they remember in 20 maybe 17 they were at the all-state arena in chicago which is where i'm from and my dad had a friend who had a booth like a skybox there so like when wwe come to town he would hit up his friend and he, they would him and my mom and cousins sometimes would go and they, they would come watch the pay-per-view or smackdown or whatever it was and of course some they would share be sharing the skybox with other friends of this guy or whatever like that and so this well, this person happened to be in the skybox with my parents and I came up there and I'd said hi to them and everything like that. And then I had to go back to the locker room and this guy messaged me a, a, uh, a Reddit post that he had made after that it was like, Hey, Hey everybody. Like I was just at SmackDown and I sat in a skybox with Aiden English, his parents and his dad told me, and I didn't know this. My dad never told me this. Um, he, he must've like said, Oh, Hey, you're Aiden English's dad or whatever. And he said, uh, I'm just so proud of him. And I know that even if he, you know, left it all here tonight and left it all behind, he would be happy because he lived his dream. And um, this, yeah, this random guy on Reddit had this quote from my dad that I've never, that I had never heard. Um, and that's the exact kind of mentality I try to, I try to, don't get me wrong. I am ambitious. I still, I'm all, I've got so many different things I want to keep doing. It doesn't mean I'm like, you know, done, but I can look back very happily at my life, no matter what happens next. Love that. That's such a amazing outlook to have in life. And, and it's, it, it definitely is something that we all should strive to, to, to be more like. So thank you for, for sharing um, of course, your absolutely. incredible stories and, and everything you've done. So a few more things on about, your career in wrestling. I know that you're currently uh, working with Impact Wrestling. And I was always curious, like going from one wrestling organization to another, is it very different culturally or how your day-to-day -day is? So it's funny. The, there is a, a whole lot different, but there's so much at the same because at the end of the day it's wrestling and it, you know it's a wrestling tv show the scale is different uh the, the crew is different and everything like that but at the end of the day what are we doing we're making a tv show with with bombastic characters who fight in that squared ring you know in the middle of an arena do, going through storylines it's you know that's the same from new japan pro wrestling to aew to impact to wwe uh to anybody to any independent wrestling promotion out there we're all doing the same thing so it's just flavors of ice cream after that you know but um so obviously yeah wwe is is the scale is huge and we're talking about multi-billion dollar company and um so the impact is a, a smaller scale but man i will tell you the atmosphere and the environment and the crew i've never had a better like just environment to be in in wrestling uh the closest i could imagine was when we were in nxt and it was first getting hot and really being cool in like 2014 2015 that kind of mentality was like hey we're all a crew we're all in this together we're all just trying to get out there trying to make the best damn show we can um make other make everyone else notice us that's the vibe i get an impact um and on top of that not throwing shade but like 
the least like sharky locker room and like staff because <laughs> in, in especially when you're at a company that's so big there's a lot of you hear about politics and and people jockeying for this that and the other especially when the company's that big but man at impact from, from the the boss 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 scott demore who is who does not act like a boss and scott if you ever see this i don't know why you'd be watching a destiny show but <laughs> if you ever do uh no doesn't act like a boss. He's there. He's down on the floor with you. He's not hiding away in an office. So from him down again, down to our production assistants and camera guys and everything, everybody is in on this mission together. So I, I that I've loved more than anything in my time here in Impact, and it's just been it's been really really great. I definitely feel that. Like I've I've watched Impact Wrestling several times uh, through out the last I would say three three months or so and every time that i tune in there's like a level of excitement and energy and, and just passion for this industry and it's so cool to experience that and you all are doing amazing things with um impact wrestling so best of luck in that journey and uh oh, i appreciate can't that. wait to see everything that you do so we we have we have a couple of, of guardians who also love wrestling as much as we do. And we had a question from one of our community members. And the question was, what is the best advice that you could give someone who is aspiring to become a pro wrestler? Um, yeah, and this, I actually just had this question. I was at a show uh, the other week and, and somebody asked that. And, you know, I get this question a lot. It's what a lot of people want to know. And it, man, I'm not big on getting too in the weeds with advice. Cause I think everybody's journey is different. And I think there's a lot of also old timers in, in our business who all due respect in the world to them have a very shallow mind of like, all right, well here kid, this is how the business should be. Don't do this, do this. I, I hate that. Is it number one? It's entertainment. This business is changing all the time, just like video games and everything. We're evolving and changing. And so like, I'm not going to sit here and tell you how to wrestle. What I will say is more general advice and man, it's, it's twofold. One, there is still something to say when you're brand new in any venture, this is, this goes beyond, you know, um, wrestling. It's pretty classic. It's kind of mouth closed, ears open. This isn't to say I, I own, I always qualify it with this. This isn't to say like, just do whatever anybody tells you, you know, you still are a sentient person with your own thoughts and feelings, but when you're new, you should, you should really just be soaking it all in. Be a sponge. You will eventually, in time, learn to filter and see what feels right and what feels wrong and, you know, what's good for you and what you're trying to do and stuff like that. But at the start, take everything in. Just take it all in. Sponge it all up. And just and be very respectful and that kind of thing. Uh, two, learn from someone who's... Um, made a living in this business would be as far as like where should i go learn to wrestle i don't think you need to go if you can go to black and brave and learn from seth rollins great he obviously one of the best in the world currently at what we're doing at an extremely high level you don't have to do that though but do i think you should give your money to steve who's wrestled once a month at his local independent in whatever town who's never made like a living. I, I, that's one thing I might be a little harsh on, but I'm like, 
could be a small time, somebody who's made a job of this, who's been able to pay some bills with this because they've obviously found a formula to get booked, to, to get better, to get a little bit of success there. So I think learning from someone who's made it again, does not have to be some big time WWF star, but learn from somebody who, who's been able to make a career of some kind, even if it's a part-time career, but somebody who's been able to, to make a job out of this because they're going to be able to give you the best advice. And then, and then lastly, take care of your body, get in shape. That does not mean be a bodybuilder. We are not in that industry anymore. This is not 1980. You don't need to be 250 pounds juiced up to the gills. No, sir. But I don't care what you look like. I don't care if you're tan, if you're not, I don't care if you're, if you're a heavy set or not. I don't care if you're skinny or not, but you need to be in shape to do what we do. And that's, and that takes a lot of physicality. We talked about that tonight. Just takes a lot of cardiovascular health, strength, to perform and take care of your opponent. Cause that's the other thing. We're not trying to hurt each other safe and spectacular, everybody. You know what I mean? So you need to have the strength and the wherewithal and the, the athleticism to protect yourself and your opponent. So get in shape. You don't need six pack abs, but you need to be able to physically at a high level, do what we do. So yes, that's going to mean getting in the gym. It's going to mean going to training, running drills, things like that to keep your body in the physical shape and just to keep it up so you can prevent as much injury as possible. So those are my three pillars, you know, listen as much as you can at first, train from someone reputable and take care of your body. That's, that's awesome. I love that. Definitely. Those are, those are truly awesome words of wisdom right there. I would have to say. And I mean, yeah, like I said, yeah, I think it goes for you can, with a little bit of tweak, you can do that for almost any industry. I mean, again, just listen, you know, choose your elders or, you know, your mentors wisely, and then whatever your particular tool is, take care of it. I think that, you know, that can go almost to any industry. I think it's kind of universal. Yeah, definitely. Um, would, would you say like that would also help like people trying to be good on the mic? Because obviously not everybody is great on the mic at first and everything. Sure. That's, and, it's a little harder. You know what I mean? Because it's a little bit more intangible, right? I can teach you how to take a flat back bump and properly and safely and effectively do a headlock or a suplex. I can kind of teach that to anybody with enough time. You can't teach, you can teach, you can't teach confidence and you can't teach charisma. You can guide it and you can help people bring it out. But there are, there are going to be some people who, man, that is just not a, a natural instinct. Um, and there are people who have gotten better, but I mean, that's just one of those things. I think just with time, time in front of yeah. a microphone, in front of a camera, getting like, if you're a shy person, getting less and less shy, getting more and more just willing to throw, throw it all out there. The one thing I'll say, oh, I always say to people as far as, that and being the persona and being especially in something like wrestling a, a big bombastic showbiz thing kind of like that or even if you're going to try streaming i always say go more i think it's way it's we always say way harder to pull more out of you as a performer like it's so much harder for me to go like more like loud like louder more more energy more emotion i'd rather you go so over the top and have someone go a coach, a, a, a boss, somebody go, all right, tone it, dial it back. <laughs> I'd rather we, you'd much rather do that than ha than the opposite. So if you're trying to work on your promos, work on your mic, just keep doing it. Repetition, get more and more comfortable speaking 
and then just just go as all out as you as you're able to do. Yeah, absolutely. That's really great advice. Very, very well said. So, Matt, I'm I'm curious, what is next for you in your journey, and and what are some personal projects that you're excited about? Well, I mean, it's honestly, I'm in this weird state right now where it's kind of like I went through a couple changes with like some of the content stuff. So, like now in this kind of like status quo, just maintain. Let's figure out the next move. Um, I just I just started doing. See, I told you, late to the game. I'm not good at always adapting. Just started doing TikTok stuff, like really consistently. Um, and so I'm doing more of that. Just fun, fun, goofy Destiny TikTok stuff. Uh, I'm I'm not. You're not coming to me for builds, folks. Okay, there's enough of those guys. You're coming to me to <laughs> laugh at my stupid stuff that I do and that I say. Um, so that like doing just more fun stuff like that. Um, trying to do I my next one of my big goals in wrestling is I would like and I've talked to Kevin Kelly over at New Japan. I would like to maybe speaking of getting back there, I've done a lot of their US shows because they have a US presence, but I would like to get over to Japan to call a tour or a series of shows on commentary for their Japanese home uh home audience. So that's kind of one of my next projects I'd love to be able to do. I don't know how that would balance with my commitments to impact, but I'm in the process of trying to like work out like, Hey, when are they on tour? When are, when, when do we have a large break in tapings and stuff like that? So that's one of my kind of goals for the next year or so is to try to get one of those in. Very cool. And we will definitely be looking out for all of your upcoming projects and endeavors. And we will also make sure Indeed. to include all of your links in the show notes for oh my this God. episode. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thank you for letting me. Team tonight. And thank you so much for joining us, Matt. Thank you so much for being with us uh, on the show. Thank you for sharing your stories and, and your experiences and your journey in destiny and wrestling we appreciate you so much for joining us tonight oh my god no again thank you for having me absolute absolute pleasure to hang with you guys and uh hopefully not the last time yeah no absolutely and and matt where can the guardians learn more about you and what you do in the community uh yeah no i mean i keep it pretty simple drama king matt is kind of my handle on everything uh twitch drama king matt instagram twitter same 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 uh as well as tiktok and i'm trying to get tiktok up there so that, that's the big one i'm funneling people to i want to try the, a little bit of co-streaming on there and twitch if I can get the opportunity. Um, so go check out the TikTok and um, yeah, come laugh at my poor platforming and uh, but awesome fashion. I look good when I fall down numerous pits. So I, I do have that going for me. So yeah, c- come hang out with me and the, the drama club. And we have a nice little budding destiny community as well. So uh, if, if you're looking for like-minded people uh, come hang out. I like that drama club. I like that. Well, definitely have to... Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> out and 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 share that with our community and our guardians and thank you so much for being with us thank you guys such an honor and shadow price where can we learn more about you and what you do you can find me on twitter at shadow price 79 and also here on the destiny show podcast every friday night and guardians you can find the destiny show podcast wherever you listen to podcasts we're on apple spotify amazon music and every major platform 
You can find us on the web at destinyshow.com. You can find us right here on twitch.tv slash the destiny show every Friday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. And Guardians, you can also find us over on Twitter where we give you the latest updates on all things Destiny 2 Lightfall. And make sure to join our Destiny 2 community on Discord. We are on fire. We have a clan of over 600 Guardians, and we are growing every single week. So we hope you join us, Guardians. And we thank you for joining us for another incredible episode of the Destiny Show podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. Go play some Trials. Go play some Grandmaster Nightfalls. And Guardians, thank you for joining us tonight. And we will see you star side. Good night, Guardians. Bye-bye.